0: Sermon 21 of the Sermons upon the Epistle of St. Paul to the Ephesians by John Calvin. Translated by Arthur Golding. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The 21st Sermon, which is the 6th upon the 3rd chapter and the 1st upon the 4th. Now unto him that is able to do most abundantly above all things that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us, be praise in the Church, through Jesus Christ, throughout all generations, forevermore. Amen. I, therefore, which am a prisoner in our Lord, warn you to walk as becometh you in the calling wherewith ye be called, with all lowliness and meekness, with patience, etc., When God hath done us never so much good, although we feel ourselves beholden unto him, and bound to yield him his due praise, yet can we not discharge ourselves of our duty with a free heart, except we hope that he will hold on still hereafter, and show himself the same to the end, which we have known him to be heretofore. Now, without faith we cannot hope, and so it is impossible that God should have his due praise at men's hands. Put the case we had found God's help at our need, and whatsoever we could wish, and in the meanwhile we think it was but a sudden braid which has vanished away out of hand, and that henceforth we may look for no more at his hand, and that it shall be in vain for us to require it. It is certain that we would come no more at him, because we should be pinched and pressed with heaviness and grief. Therefore, that we may hold out in praising God's name, we must couple these two things together. That is, to wit, that on the one side we bethink us of the good that we have received of him, and that on the other side we hope still that he will always be steadfast and constant in his purpose unto the end, and never cease to do us good. And that is the order which St. Paul keepeth here, saying, Praise and glory be yielded unto God. And how? Unto him, saith he, which is able to do all things, beyond our asking, yea, and beyond our thinking too. Now it is certain that here St. Paul had an eye back to that which we have seen before, which is that God did then utter the infinite riches of his goodness when he vouchsafed to have the gospel, which is the message of salvation, published throughout the world. Nevertheless, he quickened up the faithful to discharge themselves cheerfully by telling them that they must not mistrust that God will withdraw his hand, as though his showing of himself liberal towards them had been but for once and away. His meaning, then, is that God will go through with his work, and therefore, that we may give ourselves to the praising of his name without any stop, as well as in respect of the good that we have received already, as upon belief that he will hold on without ever failing us. That is the effect of the matter, which we have to gather upon this strain. Now, this saying is, let glory be yielded to God in the church whereby he showeth that it is not enough that every of us do privately acknowledge the benefits that God hath bestowed upon him, but that we must also join together in that mind. For if the body be well at ease, surely no member will be so addicted to itself, but that it will have regard of all the rest. Now then, when as God hath made his church to prosper, so as the number thereof is multiplied, and it is also increased in spiritual gifts, not only they that have received those benefits must enforce themselves to praise God, but also all the rest of the body, for so much as it becometh us to be knit together with the holy bond, whereof St. Paul will speak hereafter. That then is the cause why he speaketh purposely of the church, as if he should say, that seeing God doth so utter his goodness, every man ought to be inflamed to glorify him, Because that look whatsoever he doth to our neighbors, we ought too to take it as done to ourselves. And verily he had an eye here too, that which might hinder the praising of God with one true consent. For the Jews had always a certain disdain against the Gentiles, because they thought it was meet that themselves should keep still the birthright, and that they had wrong if any of those were made equal with them, which had been utterly shaken of afore, And likewise the Gentiles, perceiving the Jews to be given to foolish bragging of the law, which had taken an end, St. Paul therefore telleth them here, that inasmuch as God had called them as brethren to the inheritance of salvation, it became them to agree in such wise in the praising of him, as his praise might sound everywhere." And he saith, Let praise be yielded to God, yea, even for evermore, from world to world, and by Jesus Christ. For so much as St. Paul hath treated heretofore of the grace that served to guide the faithful to the kingdom of heaven, therefore doth he of good right say, that men must not only praise God for once and away, but also that there is cause to continue the same, not the life of one man, but throughout all ages. Yea, and moreover, St. Paul meant to do us to understand that the church should be preserved for ever, and that there should always remain some seed of it in the world, so as the record of salvation should never be fruitless, but there should be some people still to be gathered together, which should be a looking glass, wherein to behold the inestimable mercy which our God showeth us in our Lord Jesus Christ. So then we see St. Paul's meaning, whereby we ought to be assured that, although Satan practice all that is possible to wipe away the remembering of God and to make havoc in the church, as the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ may be as good as defaced, yet will God overcome all by his power. So as the church shall continue still, and the death and passion of our Lord Jesus Christ shall be available, notwithstanding the cruelty of tyrants and the practices of household enemies, and of such as would overthrow the whole building. And that also is the cause why Saint Paul setteth us down the name of Jesus Christ. It is true that we cannot yield God thanks but by that means, for it is certain that we should not be meet to receive one drop of good but by the means of our Lord Jesus Christ, because we be enemies to God by nature. Insomuch that although he be free hearted even to the unbelievers, Yet shall the same turn to their greater condemnation, so that they be double accursed in being partakers of God's blessings. For to him that is unclean, all things are unclean, as saith St. Paul in another place. And therefore we can never give God thanks, but in the name of Jesus Christ, by whom we receive all good things. Howbeit St. Paul's meaning was to do us to understand in this text that God's once showing of Himself to be a Father to all men in the person of His only Son, by ordaining Him to make the atonement, which was to last forever, and to continue world without end, insomuch that we must assure ourselves, as I said afore, that God will maintain His truth in this world, and by that means have always some flock gathered unto Him among whom his name shall be called upon. But let us come now to the second part. He showeth that it is not enough for us to have known God's goodness by experience for the time past, unless we be strengthened in such hope by it, as we doubt not, but that God will show himself merciful toward us ever after. And that is the cause why he saith, to him that is able to do all things exceedingly abundantly, above our asking or thinking. Now we see here how St. Paul warneth us that if God have used great mercifulness towards us heretofore, we must not doubt of his continuing of the same, because he is not like mortal men, which be fickle-minded. Neither must we be afraid that his fortune will dry, when he shall have bestowed great benefits upon us already. Why so? For he hath such store of them, that the more we take to our contentation, the greater abundance hath he still. We see then the means to dispose ourselves to acknowledge the good that God hath done us, at leastwise to honor him for them, is to be always fully resolved and persuaded that we shall ever find him a father, because he hath promised so to be. And whereas he speaketh of God's power or might. We must not imagine it to be an idle power, as the worldlings do. They will grant well enough that God is almighty, but yet in the meanwhile they trust never the more in him. To their seeming he takes his rest in heaven, or else he disposeth not things in this world, but at starts when he bethinks himself of them. But contrariwise, when God speaks unto us of his power, it is to the end we should make it our shield against all the distresses, hindrances and lets which the devil casteth before our eyes to make us distrust God's promises. Like as when it is said that Abraham believed that God is almighty, it was not generally and confusedly, but with an applying of God's infinite power to the thing that had been promised him, which was that in his seed all the nations of the earth should be blessed. Abraham, looking upon himself, saw he was a man as fast decaying as might be. He drooped and, as you would say, dragged his wings after him. To be short, he was hard at death's door; his wife had been barren all her life long; she was past the age of teeming any more, insomuch that the thing which was told him by God's own mouth seemed utterly impossible. And why is it that Abraham doth nevertheless believe assuredly that God will keep promise with him? It is because he had an eye to His infinite power, which is able to overcome all lets and hindrances. We see how Abraham applied God's power to his own behoof, assuring himself that God's truth and his power are things inseparable. After that manner also doth St. Paul say that he whom he hath put in trust with his gauge is mighty. For he saw himself to be a poor and frail creature, he saw how he was hunted at all hands, he saw that he was shaken off and despised, he saw how the doctrine that he bare abroad was hated and abhorred, he saw how his life hung as by a thread, and he had such a number of troubles as were able to overwhelm him, yea, and finally to confound him and dispatch him quite, and how overcame he all this? and abode invincible, yea, and even triumphed over them, being in prison, and seeing himself at death's door? How could he have such victory against so many temptations and encounters? It was by knowing that God was the keeper of his soul, whereupon he conceived his infinite power, which is able to perform all that he appointeth. Ye see, then, that St. Paul imagined not a power in the air, but knew that God wrought so in him, as he should never fall but upon his feet, as men say. And why? For he had promise of it. Wherefore, let us learn to put this lesson as well in you as it is common in the Scripture. The repeating thereof so oft is not for naught. For we see the frowardness that is in ourselves, insomuch that although God have promised to keep us, yet, if never so little a blast of wind come upon us, we be dismayed by and by. And how so? Surely if we yielded God the honor that he deserveth, and acknowledge him to be almighty indeed, we should boldly defy all that seemeth to be against us. And why? For if God be on our side, who shall be against us, saith St. Paul? And we see also how David defieth both all his enemies and also death, saying, Though I should walk in the shadow of death and within the grave, yet should I be safe, because God is my shepherd, and hath his sheep-hook to guide me withal. And in another place he saith again, Though I were beset round about with a million of enemies, yet should I not shrink. And why? For God is with me. Were we then as well persuaded of God's almightiness as we confess it with our mouth, surely we should not be soon dismayed, neither should our faith be shaken at every brunt. So then let us conclude that, inasmuch as we be so weak, and everything of nothing will scare us out of our wits, there is nothing but hypocrisy in us, and our confessing that God is almighty cometh not from our heart. So much the more therefore behoveth it us to put this lesson in your, and to exercise it night and day, that we may taste it thoroughly. And it is the cause why it is so often mentioned unto us, for we take it not to be a matter of so great importance. But when our Lord doth so often tell us that he hath all things in his hand, that he disposeth of his creatures, as he listeth himself, and that nothing is able to let his determination or the performance of the things that he hath promised, it is to the end that we should yield unto his promises, that which they behite us, that is to say, Whensoever we shall seem to be at the point of undoing, and the devil shall give us so whole skirmishes as we shall see no way to escape, nor any end of our distresses, let us think thus with ourselves. Who is he that hath spoken it? Who is he that hath promised to be our defender? Is it not he that is almighty? Could not he with one blast blow away all that the devil practiseth? Though all the world were against us, what could it do, so our Lord vouchsafed to maintain our part. After that manner must we advance God's power above the whole world, that we may rest upon his promises. For, as I have said already, God's word and the power of bringing to pass the things concerned therein are things inseparable. And we blaspheme God as oft as we be in doubt and perplexity, whether he be able to perform his defending of us or no. For since he hath promised it, Out of all doubt he will perform it, or else should his power be shortened, which is impossible. And so ye see why St. Paul hath spoken here of God's power. And that also is the cause why the prophets, in speaking of the succour which God hath always in readiness, to rescue the faithful withal from death, when they be plunged into it, have commonly said, Is it not the God which hath made both heaven and earth? This should seem to be far-fetched. For the case is that I am in some trouble, and have none other refuge, but only God's pitying of me, whereof I seek to be assured, and he telleth me I have created heaven and earth. He seemeth to send me very far, and to make me leap out of God's blessing into the warm sun. But God's telling of us that he created heaven and earth is to do us to understand that it belongs to him also to rule his creatures that he hath a care of us as his children, that there is not anything above or beneath which is not subject to him, and that he turneth all things round about, and to and fro as he listeth. Saith he so? Then we must out of hand apply it to our benefit, so as we doubt not, but that his power hath such preeminence, as he is well able to root out whatsoever seemeth to be against us. And so you see how you must always have the said chain to tie God's promises and the truth of the bringing of them to pass together. And St. Paul saith that he can do all things above our asking and our thinking. Not without cause hath he enclosed here all that belongeth to our salvation. For he that trusteth in God for one thing will not miss to enter into debating whether he will add a second benefit or a third. That, therefore, is the cause why St. Paul will have us to look for things at the hand of our God, and he saith, above our asking. True it is that we must not fall asleep when we be succoured and governed at God's hand, or be filled with his benefits, but if we believe in his word, we must also be moved to pray, for it is a true proof of our faith when we resort so unto our God. And for that cause it is said that the faithful must discharge all their cares into his lap. For it is the true record of it when at all times of our need we resort to him who will have us to seek all our welfare in him alone. The faithful therefore must be diligent in praying according as St. Paul saith in another text where he exhorteth us to prayer and supplication and setteth down this diligence also to the intent we should have no slothfulness to pluck us back. But, albeit we give over all our wits to praying unto God, yet notwithstanding, considering the necessities that compel us to resort unto Him, God must be fain to outgo our requests and to do much more for us than we require. And for proof thereof, when any of the faithful feels his own infirmities, he will straightways humble himself and thereupon repair unto God, and that not for once only, but every minute of an hour and afterward he will resort to him both for his body and his soul, and think thus, Alas, yet want I such a thing, I must to him again. Lo, how the faithful do thoroughly sift out the miseries and wants whereunto they be subject, thereby to provoke themselves to pray unto God. But do we not think that the devil hath a hundred thousand wiles which we perceive not, and God must be fain to provide for them, or else what would become of us? For although we feel that diverse things do pinch us, yet are there many other things that are unknown and hidden from us. So then it will always be found true that God outgoeth all our prayers and all our wishes. Mark that for one point. Therefore let us do what we can and endeavor to resort continually unto God, and yet therewithal let us be fully persuaded that he must be fain to watch over us, and to be much more sharp-sighted than we, in espying what we have need of, and the means also that are fit to compass it to our behoof. All these things must God be fain to look to. And so must we cast all our cares upon him, as I alleged afore out of the psalm. And soothly his adding of above our ability to think, is to show that although men be enlightened by the Gospel, to distrust themselves, to walk in fear, yea, and to be abashed at the sight of their own wretchedness, yet perceive they not the hundredth part of it, but must be fain to refer the residue unto God, and to look for more at his hand than they can wish. And herewithal St. Paul showeth us that we cannot pass measure in trusting unto God and in asking him the things that we have need of. Indeed, we must not use a foolish liberty to pray to God to give us this or that, as our fleshly desire provoketh us. For we must refer ourselves wholly unto him, and specially we must in praying fight against our own lusts, that we be not too important in them. And in good sooth we see what hath befallen to such as would needs have God to grant all their demands to pleasure them withal. The children of Israel were fed with flesh, and were glutted with it, till they were ready to burst. But while the meat was yet in their throats, God's wrath and vengeance fell upon them. It had been much better for them that their request had been denied than granted. Therefore when we pray, we must not take such liberty as to say that God should be subject to our affections and desires, but we must ask him the things that he hath promised us, assuring ourselves that he will like well of our requests. And, as I said afore, let us not fear that we shall be too excessive, for we shall see that he will do it yet more, and so had he need to do. And let us not be afraid to be blamed of any presumption or malapertness in assuring ourselves of his promises. Indeed, if men warrant themselves more than God's word will bear them out in or bear themselves on hand, that they shall obtain whatever they imagine in their own brain. All such hope shall doubtless be a slope, But if we ground ourselves upon God's truth, which is sure and undeceitful, let us heartily reach out the trust far and wide which we have in him, and let us not doubt, but he will perform it to the full, yea, and much more too, as St. Paul showeth us here. Ye see, then, that the sum of the things which we have to remember in this strain is that we must behold God's benefits, not only those which we have had experience of, but also which are seen through the whole world, that they may move us to praise God's name, and that there may be such an agreeable melody among all the faithful, as they may honour God for all the benefits which he bestoweth generally upon the whole body of his church. And again that we must hope that he will go through with all that ever he hath once begun, and that inasmuch as we have already felt how merciful He is unto us, so that he hath sought us out when we were strayed away from him, and pulled us out of the bottom of hell, we must not doubt that he will have hold on still, and increase the benefits more and more which we have felt already in part. And furthermore, that in praying unto him, we must have an eye to the great number of necessities, which move and constrain us to come unto him, and thereupon consider that he will do much more for us than we can wish, and that we be so weak-witted, and so unskilful that we wot not what is meet for us, howbeit that he remedieth the same two ways, namely by stirring up unutterable groanings in us, as is said more fully in the eighth to the Romans, and on the other side by supplying us unskilfulness, so as he tarrieth not till we crave his succour, But preventeth us through his mercy, notwithstanding that we welter in our wretchedness, and perceive not the tenth part of the things that we want. Now hereupon St. Paul exhorteth the faithful to walk as becometh their calling, wherein they be called. This is not only to the intent that they should thank God with their mouths, as he warned them to do, but also to profit themselves by the spiritual gifts which they receive, and to put them to such use as God may be glorified by them. For if we should set forth all God's praises, and in the meanwhile men could perceive no zeal of honouring and serving him in all of our life, it were but a feigning, and such a confession were but an unhallowing of God's name, when our life were not answerable thereunto. Not without cause, therefore, doth St. Paul add here, that men should walk according to the calling whereunto they be called. And thereupon we have to mark first that for as much as we be slow, there is ever too much sloth and coldness in us. We cannot devise a better way, nor which may touch us more to the quick, to make us go on forward in the obedience of God, than to think upon his infinite mercy which he hath showed towards us. According whereunto, St. Paul in the twelfth to the Romans, intending to win the faithful to teachableness, and to put their trust in God, setteth before them the mercy that they had received at his hand. As if he should say that, whensoever we heard of the stone that ought to be removed, or we'll think upon the inestimable goodness which God hath used towards us, in that he spared not his only Son, but gave him up for our salvation, vouchsafing to have him offered up in sacrifice to put away the remembrance of our offences and misdeeds. It ought to cleave our hearts asunder. Therefore in this text he setteth God's calling of us before our eyes. Truth it is that we be sufficiently bound aforehand by nature to serve and honour God. For we have our life of him, and we live here at his cost, and we see how all his creatures serve us. That, therefore, is bond great enough whensoever the ruling of our life according to God's will cometh in question. But seeing he thinks it not enough to have set us in the world, and to give us sustenance for our bodies, but also taketh us to be his own children, to bring us up in his church, which is his house, and upon his adopting of us behitheth us the inheritance of heaven, and to assure us of it, hath given us the pledge which I spake of, that is, to wit, our Lord Jesus Christ. Seeing we know that God hath so many ways uttered the infinite love that he bare us, ought it not to inflame us, to run unto him, to the end that, by renouncing ourselves more and more, we may endeavour to give ourselves so unto him, as he may quietly have the use of our whole life, and we mind none other thing than the exalting of his name. Ye see then whereat St. Paul looked, when he saith that he warned the Ephesians to walk agreeable to the vocation wherein God had set them. So then we have to gather upon this text, that to correct the slothfulness that is in us, and specially to subdue the stubbornness that hindereth our pleasing of God in all points. For it is certain that all our thoughts and all the disposition of our nature are inclined unto evil, and do both draw us back and drive us far from the obedience which we ought to yield unto our Maker." I say, to correct all this thoroughly and to come unto God, we must learn to lift up our senses to the infinite grace that God hath showed us in making us partakers of the spiritual goods of our Lord Jesus Christ by vouchsafing to have us to be members of his body and to adopt us to be his children and heirs. Furthermore, let us consider the end whereat he aimed, to the intent God complain not of us as he doth of the Israelites by his prophet Isaiah, because of the unthankfulness which they had showed towards him. He saith that he had taken them as his vineyard, or as a costly heritage, and he telleth them that for all his manuring of them they had brought him forth nothing but wild grapes and bitter fruit. Let us beware, say I, that God have not just cause to blame us nowadays, as well as he did them. For if the people of Israel received excellent gifts, much more are we bound unto God nowadays since the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. For look what he gave to the fathers of old time, in figures and shadows, that have we at these days in truth and substance. We be in the full time, wherein it was God's will to pour out all his benefits upon us to the full. Since it is so, we shall be the less excusable, if we be unthankful, and acknowledge not the good that God hath done us. That is the thing which we have to bear in mind. And moreover, let us consider that, as saith St. Peter, Our Lord hath drawn us out, and rescued us from the tyranny of death, and called us to his kingdom of light to the intent that we should blaze abroad his virtues and bestow our whole life in magnifying him to the uttermost, according to this present text, where it is said that we must walk according to the vocation that God hath called us unto. Now this importeth a gathering and drawing of us out by ourselves, as though God meant to make a new world of us, and in very deed the thing whereto the death and passion of our Lord Jesus Christ tendeth is that we should be shoaled out from the uncleanness of the world. Seeing then that we be, as it were, sorted out by ourselves, and God hath dedicated us to himself, intending to have us for his inheritance, let us learn not to disappoint him of his purpose. And if we be the children of light, as he saith in another place, let us walk no more in darkness, as the unbelievers do, but let us make the grace effectual which we have received. That is it in effect, which we have to remember concerning the word vocation, or calling. To be short, we shall be much more blameworthy than the silly, ignorant, and blind souls if we endeavor not to hold ourselves, as it were, locked up under God's hand and under his guiding. Truth it is that at this day there is no corner of the world but it is so corrupted as is horrible to see, insomuch that even they that have had no taste at all of the gospel but have been nuzzled and imbrewed continually with superstition shall not fail to be justly condemned at God's hand. And as for us, it is certain that we shall have a much harder account to make, For that God enlighteneth us with his word, and whereas other folks stray and wander in destruction, he showeth us the way of salvation, calling and alluring us daily unto him. Seeing then that we have such a privilege, we ought to bethink ourselves well that we quench not the light, but thrusting it underfoot, and so put away the special grace that was granted us, and which God vouchsafed to direct unto us, to the end we should be the more provoked to serve him. But by the way, we must mark well how St. Paul saith that this must be done with all submission and lowliness and patience and meekness. Hereby he meant to express that it is not enough for every man to employ himself to the doing of his duty, but that we must also reach out our hands, each one to his neighbour and brother, so as God may be served with one common consent among us. Let us mark well, therefore as much as the residue cannot be dispatched at this time, that St. Paul speaks not here to every man severally, but that he comprehendeth all the whole body and company of the church. As if he should say, my friends, it is not enough for every of us to withdraw himself and to abstain from all evil, and to show himself well-minded and zealous to live in the fear of God and in all uprightness, but we must also have a mutual care of one another, and be fully resolved that it is no serving of God, if we endeavour not by all the means we can, that others may do the like. And so we see here how it is the rule of all the faithful first that every man look to himself and though all the world be mad in doing evil yet notwithstanding that he which is taught in God's school do hold himself in awe and under subjection and consider whereto he is called. And therewithal, that if there be many of us, and God have shed out his grace, so as he hath gotten himself a church, we must, to the uttermost of our power, seek to join with them whom God calleth, as well as us, so that he which goeth foremost reach his hand to him that is next him, and say, Let us go altogether, and one of us encourage another, that he which goes faintly and hath infirmities in him be tarried for by those that go swifter, and be borne up also if need be, so as we may all be drawn unto God. And this must not only be done in every town and village, but also we must look yet further off, and consider that they whom we know not are Nevertheless, later, of the body of our Lord Jesus Christ. And therefore we must serve them for looking glasses and examples and confirm them so much the more to lead a godly conversation by showing them the way that they may follow us. And let us also profit ourselves So, as if we see any other men more virtuous, zealous, and constant than we be, every of us may be ashamed of it, and say thus to ourselves, How now, is it meet that thou shouldst lag behind, when other folks march on so fast afore, and run so cheerfully towards God? Ye see, then, that the thing in effect which we have to bear away here is that inasmuch as God hath not called us, eft one man alone and eft another as though he meant to settle us asunder, but directeth his voice to all, and will have it serve for a holy bond unto all. We also must answer him, not only with our mouth, but also with our whole life. And there must be true unity among us, and we must endeavour to bring to pass that God may be purely worshipped everywhere, and consider that, since we be called all to one inheritance, there ought to be a right brotherhood amongst us, and that, since we call upon God as our Father, it becometh us as his children to be joined to our head, that is, to wit, to our Lord Jesus Christ." And when we be so joined unto him, it is certain that we shall not be cut off from those whom he will have to be of his body. Neither shall the hand despise the foot, nor the foot hold scorn of the hand, but forasmuch as as we know that our life resteth only in Jesus Christ, we shall endeavour as much as we can to uphold one another, and pray to God to strengthen us against all Satan's assaults, and against all that he can practise to set us at odds, that we may maintain the battle. And with invincible constancy follow still the way which God hath showed us until we attain to the heritage which he hath promised us and purchased so dearly by our Lord Jesus Christ. Now let us cast ourselves down before the majesty of our good God with acknowledgement of our sins, praying him to draw us to true repentance so as we may be utterly cast down in ourselves to be set up again to serve him and that not for one day, but so as we may hold out to the end, that as his grace never fadeth, so we on our side may never cease to serve him, but according as he increaseth his gifts in us, so we also may be more and more inflamed to come nearer to him and to be thoroughly knit unto him. And so let us all say, Almighty God, Heavenly Father, etc. End of Sermon 21